Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 10, double digits. No, the episode name is Warhammer Underworld's Sportsmanship. So today I'll basically be talking about, you know, sportsmanship with Warhammer Underworlds and how to, you know, make it yourself as a really sportsmanship-like player and an atmosphere and environment. But before I get into that, today talking with me is Rob. Not Rob from a previous episode, but a different Rob, because Warhammer Underworlds is full of Robs. But without further ado, hello Rob, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, uh, not too bad, well. considering everything. Yes, be better, I, th- I think it's kind of been like because. Well, it's it's been uh, an overdue time to actually have you on. I think because I was trying to figure out because the issue is that I do actually know too many Robs with Warhammer. There are Underworld. loads of us. We've got like five Robs down here. That's our event max. I think we've had. <laughs> it's become a real problem. We've got like Rob H one and Rob H two. It has because. <laughs> Yeah, basically, it's like it's it's a real problem in the UK with the robs. Like we're not even joking; it generally is. We just have too many robs. They need to stop. Um, but um, yeah, it's like because you you're quite actually well known outside of the UK scene because obviously you're from Bristol, but like you're quite well known internationally. I would say that's that's kind of cool to hear. Um, <laughs> I never thought of myself as as that, but uh, yeah, I suppose I've done a few LVOs now um, overseas. I try to stay quite active online yeah. with the community. Um, so I, people might well, yeah, know. Yeah, because I think it's I mostly from LVO. I don't know if you went to the Canadian Grand Clash. I don't. I, I, I don't think I no, was none of us to. could. Um, I was going to show up and surprise uh, Derek, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because of COVID and things, we couldn't go. So uh, RIP. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, but that. you're quite well known from the LVO lot. I know you posted once that you played Warhammer Underworlds on the plane. We, we played on the plane there. Yeah, that was a that was probably a record, I guess, in some in some respects, the highest well, ever you, game of. You're probably hoping for LVO no turbulence. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bumpy. We yes, almost lost a carriage one or two, um, <laughs> but I hung on. <laughs> well, they would have been used to that. Yeah, yeah. But um, before before we get more into like your Warhammer Underworld stuff, just would you be able to tell yourself a bit to the viewers about like well, just how you started with Warhammer in general? Uh, so I started Warhammer for uh, for about. 15 years ago now um my uncle found all his old stuff from the 80s i was like ah oh, check this out and we just started playing um but i sort of got back into the hobby properly with warhammer underworlds um a friend i was living with at the ah. time was a store manager and he came home from work one day this is a month before it actually got released the original warhammer underworlds so like, yeah i've got this game warhammer underworlds like no idea what it's like should we try playing it we're like yeah sure that sounds good and before it even got released we'd racked up about 200 games and uh, we just sort of hooked after wow. that. <laughs> we wow. Wow, that's in. impressive. That's, that's, I think that's like way even more, more than I have. That's crazy. It's just every well, night. When I first started like, anyway. Like, Warhammer? Warhammer. Let's play some Underworlds. <laughs> well, it, it's like so addictive to and quick to play, which is like, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Well, the only bad thing is you get addicted to it. But that's really cool. Because I've, I've, I know you've, uh, since then, I've, believe you've branched into more Warhammer in general because I've seen you quite active in the Zinch Age of Sigmar group and I think I've even seen you in the Adeptus Titanicus group as well. Yeah, I, I dabble in some Zinch. Um, love a good bit of magic. I used to main Eyes of the Nine back in the day. Um, it's like playing on hard mode, oh, I guess. You, oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just... It's such a fun war band, but God, they're hard. <laughs> so yeah, I like, like my Zinch. Um, I like a bit of Titanicus as well, a bit of Necromunda. But generally, on the smaller scale stuff, um, I never have time to paint big armies. Yeah, it's weird. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, because like I like having a big army now and again. 
it's just it's difficult to get it all ready and then painted and played. Whereas with skirmish games, you can just go, I paid three models and I'm having a proper game. And it's like, not in a bad way, it's like literally having a full in-depth game with only like three models. I think you can reach the point now there's enough Warhammer Underworlds models out that I think with order, you can field about a 2,000 point army of just like all the Underworlds order models. <laughs> Which is quite funny because a lot of those characters I think you could now, do it with they? Chaos as well. You probably could actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I know one friend was dabbling with doing like a massive Chaos Age of Sigma army with all the warbands, but that was just like, I think he realized it wasn't legal or it might have just been legal because the problem is a lot of them count as, uh, what do you call it? Heroes. So you can only have six. So, but yeah, it's like crazy where we are now. I'm like, how many warbands? A lot. I think over 40 now. I've lost 30, count. 30, I think now. Uh, we've got sort of three and a half Yeah, seasons. we're approaching Actually, 40, basically. 30, 33 now, I think. Yeah, so we're on the way to 40 by the end of this season. Yeah. Uh, we're flying through. Soon it'll be the perfect number of 69. But um, Nice. Uh, but outside of that, it's like you, you've been quite established at uh, Warhammer Underworlds because LVO, because the thing is, you haven't actually, you play a lot in Bristol because that's where you're situated. But with LVO, you've actually like you've actually done really well there. You have because you haven't played in many UK Grand Clashes. But in LVO, no, you've been I've, quite I've actually done uh, a UK Grand friendly Clash. menace. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think when we were the first year, I was always working like Saturdays, so I could never manage to go. Then like the uh, last couple were right before we went to Vegas in 2019 um so it was like oh it's that no 2020 was it 2020 i lost track of years yeah uh 2020 uh so is that a bit too close because we would have been doing like the weekend before we flew out so um i missed those couple then so i was all set to come back last year and do loads of uk grand clashes (laughs) and have loads of fun and then covid got in the way (laughs) but uh yeah i kind of ruined it for yeah i've done two lvos now um i came and I think at the last one, because the four. last LVO yeah. was like, yeah, because the last LVO, I think it was split into, because they had like a miscommunication. So instead of being like a massive Grand Clash and a skirmish, it was split into three different tournaments. But I know in the Grand Clash, I think you came third. I, uh, I came fourth in the end. Or top uh, just. four. Yeah, so I made the ah, top nice. four. Um, but I lost out in the semifinal to Oman um, in an incredibly close game. Ah. Um, it's like, sort of, yeah, it was, it was nails. The most stressful games I think we've both ever had. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, and then well, the at least that, you had came... fun, and Karen, yeah, oh, go on. Honestly, yeah, I came. Uh, well, and you got all that. the loot because top. Oh, sorry. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, you came sixth and... in the year before. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I came sixth the year before, and that year I won the uh, the sportsmanship award. Um, they didn't do it the last year. Um, I think it's because the way things were, it also changed a bit last minute for the event. Before we had a sports machine, yeah, because it wasn't really. I think it was more just, yeah, it was more like they didn't purposely mess up. It was kind of just, I think someone forgot to update the page after they'd like, they, I think they'd announced on Facebook what the up to date rules were, but then the actual page hadn't updated. So a lot of people had turned up apparently thinking it was going to be a three day tournament, whereas the other half were like, this is anyway, but it worked out out last minute, I think. Um, so Dave Cutts, the absolute legend that he is. Was actually going to be playing the event, kindly stepped in and actually ran it. Um, the absolute legend oh, of the man. Wow. Um, so Dave Cutts, we love you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think there's a few last minute bits, but it was still like to really change it because a lot of other people had booked other events based on what they'd seen with like the three days of different events. So we had two days of skirmish, which was really cool. Um, so you had to like basically lock your deck in for the Grand Clash on the first skirmish day. 
you know, two days of skirmish, so you could like tail your deck. Then the grand clash on the uh, Sunday. Um, which yeah, it was such really good fun. The skirmish days were wicked because everyone was just there to have a laugh and sort of get drunk <laughs> and play some games, um, which was really cool. So it meant that everyone was really sort of at ease and like really just chilled out for the actual grand clash day, which was how we like it. Oh, that's that's, that's awesome. Yeah, because you kind of get the same like. Because the thing is, you 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 haven't had the Bugman's mango cider. That's the best. Like so good. Yeah, I'm ready for but some Bugman's. One day soon, you'll be able to. Yeah, one day soon, hopefully you'll be able to sample those delectable delights. I'm so ready. With that out of the way, let's times. get on. And, uh, but the Bugman's, oh. like the food is pretty good. Um, I'll give them that. Yeah, the Bugman's burgers. Yeah, you know what? Some people actually. Yes. Well, some people actually dislike the food, but I think the Bugman's food is actually pretty good. You can eat there once. Like, I really eat, like, like the calzone. It's so filling. <laughs> Yes, that that is the thing. So the thing, if you're playing in a tournament, like a two-day tournament, do not go heavy on Bugman's on the Friday because you will feel it through the weekend. But if you're leaving, on, if it's on the Sunday, have your dinner there. It's like really, well, you're just there for one day. It's it's really good. And I'm not just chilling for Bugman's. Because it's like, I generally like Bugman's, especially it's, their mango cider. It's such a good like atmosphere as well. It's so old school. Yeah, yeah, it's like... And you can just play board games and Warhammer while eating, although you know you kind of have to make sure you don't spill your food. But yes. that's, that's a good thing. Um, Burger in one hand, cards. But yeah, the, the main thing we're here to talk about. Yes, you can't. Or just well, you should have card sleeves because of grease. But anyway, yeah, the main <laughs> thing we're here to talk about today is sportsmanship. It's kind of like a weird thing because from the outside, from what I feel anyway. A lot of people actually look at Warhammer Underworlds and kind of scoff at the idea of sportsmanship because, like, well, you're, you're a competitive game, so it's like, or everyone must be out to win at all costs, or whack, as people like to say. If you come into the game, everyone is super friendly, especially the higher you get in terms of like uh, competitive players. Generally, the most friendly players are those who are the most competitive. And I think that's a real shock to a lot of people from the outside who, who come in. And I think it's interesting to just to bring up sportsmanship in general, because a lot of people feel it's kind of like, it's like this unwritten rule that everyone's kind of just subtly learnt, but there's a lot of people, well, there's a lot of things people just won't be aware of. So I think you would be a great person to talk about this subject, wouldn't you? Because I, I think it's integral to Warhammer Underworlds, personally. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a big one, sportsmanship. Um, I've always gone out in any game to have fun. Uh, end of the day so even with Underworlds being a competitive game um, I think winning is a great thing uh, we all like it when we win but it's more important to go away having a fun game so you know, I'm happy to go to a tournament and not win but go in and I had fun rather than win it and know I've upset all my opponents um, if that makes sense it's, it's much more important uh, to create oh, no, a good atmosphere um, atmosphere is the most yeah, important thing yeah because when I so what yeah, because when I first started playing, um, I was focusing on the friendly, being super friendly and stuff, because like, I, I learned a lot of sportsmanship from my local gaming club, the Hackney Area Tabletop Enthusiasts, so hate. But at, when I first started Shadespire, for at least, well, Warhammer Underworlds, for the first six months of Shadespire, uh, even though I was super friendly, I was focused primarily, like, my goal was to win. And then the problem I found is, like, you, I won a few tournaments more than a few but it's like i found it wasn't sustainable and 
like I got really worked up against myself with Grand Clashes because I was like, I'm not winning Grand Clashes. I'm just getting like second or third, even though that was really good. And then I just like listened to my friend one day, Rob. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, it's kind of like this, this thing where I was like, uh, my goal was I need to win. I want to win a Grand Clash to prove that I can go from nothing to the top. Uh, but I was speaking to my other friend, Rob, a different Rob from the Rob from the Honest Wargamer. See, this is the problem with Warhammer, as I was so talking with the, the Robs. Exactly. But he was like, um, he said, I got, I get where you're coming from, John, but I just don't think that's sustainable. And I was like, the way I approach events is you got to have fun because the problem is the, the only way you can be disappointed at an event is when you don't have fun compared to the moment you don't get first place, you're just going to write off that event. And then like, I was like, uh, for the Scottish Grand Clash, I was just like, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to go to win. I'm just going to go to have fun and go for best painted. And then after that, I found it really easy just to enjoy tournaments more and events, but also like because I wasn't so obsessed about winning. It actually made me a better player because I didn't have that pressure on me. If that makes sense. Yeah, always looking to the positives is a really big thing. I remember sitting down uh, yeah, for our semi-final game at the last LVO, me and Aman, were there like, oh yeah, this is like the semi-final, we've made it. And um, I think one of the, the TO guys who was watching was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm sure you're both really stressed. I sort of said to him, like, whatever happens, I'm happy. Like, this is my best performance I've done. Um, and I'm going away with these cool Perspex tokens. So, you know, even if I lose, I'm just happy I've like, made it this far and playing against some great opponents. And, uh, yeah, that's the most important thing to look at, I think. And, um, yeah, like, that positivity is the best way to go. Yeah, 100%. Because it's like, the problem is when you start getting worked up at yourself, you can actually make it really difficult for your opponent to sit opposite you, which you won't really realize until someone, either you realize yourself and it's been too late, Mm. or you have a friend or the opponent go in, I actually feel a bit uncomfortable now. And it's not saying like, uh, you're doing it on purpose. It's just an uh, unconscious thing which can happen. And I find you generally get more enjoyment when you just go to an event to have fun. Like that was part of the reason once I, so I also did the 16 warband thing, but the reason I hated it, even though it like pushed me as a player, is because the problem is you, it's, it's made me forced to look at events where I have to win this event. And if I don't win this event, I have to bring this warband again, especially if it's a really difficult one. And like, that's one way people are like, oh, are you going to do it again, John? I'm like, I don't really want to, because that, that kind of goal, while awesome, it, it makes you focus on you have to win. And that kind of removes the element of having fun. Because I think a biggest misconception is, well, what people forget is you can have a lot of fun just by losing, even though that can kind of sound quite confusing. Absolutely. Um, when did the UK Masters event last year? Um, I managed to go and lose all my games. Um, <laughs> I had two best of threes that ended in draws for two of them. Then just got clipped on objectives. Then in my last game was against Dan Smedley against his um, uh, his Man Trappers, and I was running Rippers. And that last game, like the dice just didn't like me. I remember like, I, I missed everything. I think over the course of the two games, I scored three glory and killed like a single Noblar before getting wiped. Oh. I remember Dan being like, I hope you're, like, you're okay. I was like, I'm loving this. Like, I've set a record for like, my worst game. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, <laughs> this is a story to tell. Uh, <laughs> well, exactly. Because I think the biggest thing is where you can just... Uh, because you don't really me- remember the stuff you win. You remember the stuff that you had the most fun in, basically. And like, Absolutely. we're not saying you can't have fun while winning, but you can have a lot more fun when you're just not focused on winning, is basically what I'm trying to say. But I think a big thing when you want to basically 
be a more friendly player and try and work on your sportsmanship is to basically how you set up ground rules, even if like before a game. Because I think, because we were discussing before we started recording, I think we have similar ground rules and so do a lot of people. So like one of our, like uh, our core rules is like establishing cock dice and dice trays, um, establishing take backs in a way, because take backs is a huge thing in itself. And then uh, there's another thing about just basically not letting people trying to manipulate your kindness. But I think um, a big thing is just establishing those things in advance because the worst thing is when they happen during the game and then you have to deal with it then because that can really upset the mood if, if, for, if, for example, you guys actually don't agree on what should happen, for example, like with a cock dice. Absolutely. I think um, setting the precedent before games is important. Less so at casual tournaments, but more so like big ones like Grand Crashes. And I don't know how it's sort of been for you, but I've found all these sort of little bits. Um, they've sort of, I've found out about them over time. So when like Shadespire first came out, it was like the Wild West. Um, there was a lot of sort of vague rules. The game was still in its very sort of early stages. Um, and that's sort of where I found these precedents to set. Because initially, things like cock dice weren't a thing to worry about. Um, dice trays weren't a thing to really worry about. Or like take backs at the time, because everyone was so new. Or like we hadn't quite interpreted yeah. cards right. Because so much of it was down to FAQs, because interpretations were a bit wild back then. We didn't have the same sort of structure for like the combat sequence or reaction windows. Um, like take backs were quite common then. So it was sort of like policing when you could like say yes to a take back or no to a take back. But I think over time, as the game has become more established, it's a lot easier to sort of work out those precedents before a game um, of sort of where everything has to stand, which has been really good, I think. Um, they've prepped the devs and the playtesters for that, for, for streamlining it to make it easier. <laughs> well, 100%. I, I like basically, as you and I think a lot of people just learn as t- like the game went on. And it's like, for example, with dice, it because uh, if you come from like Warhammer 40,000 and Age of Sigma, a common thing is like, if you don't roll in the tray, it's cocked. So as in people will say, if, if my dice lands outside of the tray or off the table, I'll, re- I'll re-roll it in the tray. Because you can have things, even though we're rolling on a flat board, you can have weird things where like acrylic or even card counters can cock a dice. Uh, because if you come from like 40k and Sigma, one common thing is if a dice can't, if it lands on an edge and then it's not flat, for example, it lands on the between the table and on the game board itself. So it's like not level. Uh, Like in those game systems, you go, if the dice isn't cocked, I'll put a dice on top. If it's not cocked, it will stick. If it slides off, then it's cocked. So you had like these unwritten rules. So the reason you establish that, because you may go, it may happen during the game and you go, oh, I'm sorry, that dice is cocked. But they may take it as, I've just got a successful dice roll and you said it's cocked. So your opponent may think you're actually trying to hamper them when all you're trying to do is just like, oh, if that was me, uh, I would reroll that because it's just cocked. But it, it's good to establish that to just minimize, well, potential clashes because you, you, you're just here to have fun at the end of the day and you're not trying to upset your opponent or accuse them of anything. It's just, it's the problem with rolling dice. Everyone would ideally like them in a flat environment, but it can become problematic when you don't have space for dice trays or anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, we had that a bit sort of in, in Vegas last year. They had these really weird like cloth mats on the tables. <laughs> Which were like nothing rolled flat. Oh, I hate cloth. And anyone who travelled didn't have yeah. dice trays, so we were to like roll them on the boards <laughs> to like try and contain them and not cock our dice. 
which made it quite a challenge. But uh, thankfully in America, everyone seems to be aggro. So it meant there was loads of board space at either edge of the board and everyone was just in the middle, <laughs> <laughs> which made life easier. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that that's awesome. And it's like, that's the kind of thing. Because the other thing is obviously another reason to roll in the dice trays to stop rolling dice into models, but also knocking over like counters and stuff. So it's also like just for an easy dedicated space. But that's one thing to clarify. Um, and then another thing to clarify would be, um, well, it's kind of, how do you describe it? Not to, well, it's like the bit, like for me, the bigger thing is in-game banter. That's like the biggest to and fro. But the problem is you have to keep track of the time because uh, I'm sure it's happened to you, Rob. The problem is when you're having such a good time chatting and joking to your opponent that you realize you're, you're, you're half an hour into the round and you're barely halfway through the first uh, action phase. So it, it's like the way I get yeah, the way I get around it is by going to the opponent. Generally, you don't have to tell, tell it to them. It's kind of like you pick up on it. Um, but especially if you're new or you feel the opponent's new, it's just go like, oh, um, I'll, I'll have a bit of a chat now, but it's like we're going to be like quite focused on the game. Like We can still chat and stuff, but I can't do full-blown conversations. Stuff like that. It's, it doesn't have to be super for- formal. It's like, phrase it how you think it would come across most, well, like casual, like, you're not trying to be formal, but the the main gist is to try and you can have the odd joke here and then, here and there. But your main goal is to try and finish the game on time while still being friendly. Because what I do is after I finish the game, then I relax and go, Whoa, and then just have a huge chat with my opponent. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I've often found that where I'll try and get any sort of banter in as we're sort of playing. So, for instance, you know, I've got like my my five dice hammers and crits attack incoming. And you know, I'll be rolling my dice and be like, yep, here's like five double supports coming up. And be rolling my dice. So you're having that banter sort of as you're still playing. So keep time going. Um, there's another Rob out there, Rob Watson. Um, another brilliant sportsman. Uh, and whenever we play, we always find that we're having too much fun and too much banter. It's like, oh, you've got half an hour left. And we're like just starting our second game. It's like, oh, God, like, we better hurry up. <laughs> but we always had a great laugh. Oh, like yeah, that. exactly. But over time, we've got so much better at it. Um, I think he's a good example of when we're playing together, we always just like end up running the clock down, just having fun. <laughs> and it's a balance <laughs> of having fun and actually like playing the tournament we're in. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like, uh, we're not saying, no, you can't speak to your opponent, but you kind of have to, it, it kind of ties into time management itself. But it, like most players, because once again, it's annoyingly something you just pick up as time goes on. But yeah, you kind of leave it to the end, but you can still have like nice... Uh, banter bits when the when the point when it picks when when it occurs because yeah like you can tie that into like the post game chat and it's just that's where you can relax because once the game's finished and you've got your results you can just you and your opponent can fully relax because you now like the only thing you have to worry about is maybe actually finishing the chat early to get to lunch early but yeah. that, that's like the only thing I think a lot of events especially down like the biggest south like they do um you yeah. get your announcement for your next round. That's like next round starts in five minutes. So that's a good chance to have a chat with your opponent before you start as well. So you can have that bit of banter and start like getting yeah. to know your opponent a bit. And it puts you both at ease as well before you start actually playing. So you can both chill out a bit, you know, know what your opponent's like, you know, sort of how you're going to play things. And it makes it really good, I think. I don't know how much that happens up in London, yeah. but like down this way, we, uh, we like our pre-game banter. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, us too. It's like, especially the, the good thing during tournaments. So uh, as you've said, Rob, like, 
normally TLs would go, you've got X before the round starts. Uh, and then that's a good chance to just have a general chat with your opponent as well. Because the good thing about, well, time management as well is like you get to know your opponent a little bit. And then after you've had the game, you can both relax and probably go back to that welcoming atmosphere. Because the, the only annoying thing is when you quickly, like you've been delayed and then you immediately start the game and you can't talk to your opponent much. So then like, I, it's happened to me where like I've missed for some reason, quickly come and just like start chatting to the opponent. Like we're just flying through the game. Um, they feel it's quite tense, you know, because obviously we're trying to finish for time. And then after we have the post, well, after we finish the game, then I just go with my casual, oh, now we can chat. And then they get shocked because it's like, Oh wow! I thought you were like super serious. And it's like so we got oh, time only when now. it comes to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For I've example, you can go to use, um, for a mango cider. That's true. <laughs> some people use chess clocks now. I've seen as well. Um, when I was in Vegas last year, really? uh, Jonathan Davis had one. Yeah, oh, that was a really good idea because there we didn't actually have any clocks in the room we're in because it's Vegas. Casinos don't have clocks, ah. <laughs> and it's actually really good. And like, I think he probably has some of the, the best games for running on time. Because although they can have a good laugh, like him and his opponents, you always knew sort of what time you had left. Um, so just, yeah, I mean, that's running down why I personally... was a really good idea, I think, um, in that kind of setting. Well, yeah, what I do is because like chess clocks are like a complex issue, what I do is I just always play with my phone's timer out. So I always set the time to the round and then start that as soon as he says it. But I leave that in open view for me and my opponent. So I find that helps, but that's kind of more dipping into time management. But I think having like a physical limit, a physical reminder of the time helps a lot. I mean, that's how I generally play Warhammer Underworlds. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, if if you've like, like especially if you're trying to establish this thing about, oh, I'm not trying to be emotionless and not talk to you. It's literally because I'm trying to like get through this game just for time because if like if you go to the clock it's like oh we've got like 35 minutes left and we're like barely finished round game two so it's like if we just get this out of the way you know then we can go and relax because generally they'll get on because like most people aren't trying to waste your time or slow down the clock they uh because you have to remember everyone's got varying skill levels and obviously uh, annoyingly once again most of this sportsmanship stuff is like kind of unwritten it's just the silent rule everyone's come to expect and learn yeah, definitely. I think certain warbands help with that, like getting games done quickly. I remember there was that period where everyone was playing Git. <clears throat> and I've always found games... Oh my running, gosh. Like, the time was always running down to like the limit, purely because it's not like trying to slow play you. It's got nine fighters to manage. Um, yeah, it's... The Git's mirror matches are the worst thing as a TO for you to see. You're just like, none of these players are going to finish on time. It's just, <laughs> and then the, the worst thing is, yeah they will generally get on with each other really well. So they never finish because they're having a laugh and you're like, I, I, I appreciate you guys are having a blast, but you've got 18 fighters and you've barely finished game one and we're nearly an hour into the t- round. All that time scattering, that's all it is. Oh my God. Yeah, and it's just like, well, I'm just going to scatter my snow. Well, I'm going to scatter my snow. But that's the kind of thing, you know, you, you get the banter. Um, but I, then, I think the, the biggest issue after like time management basically is... So this is the thing. Obviously, you're playing a competitive game. There are going to be people who are kind of going to try and manipulate your kindness because it's a shame to say, but there are people out there in general, not just for Warhammer Underworlds, but if they see a really friendly, kind opponent, they will go, I can game this player to get an advantage. And the way I talk about this, it's like they'll go, 
oh, uh, it, this is slightly cocked. Is it okay if I re-roll it? Or like, oh, can I take this back? And I'll get back to take backs in a bit. But it's, it's an annoying thing because it's really hard to judge. But it's ba- our ba- like I think we agreed our basic guidelines is um, don't let someone manipulate you just because they think you're trying to be kind. Yeah, definitely. I think there's sort of a line to draw <clears throat> sort of with, with that. Because I found it in the past, there's some games where I've like I've seen someone trying to take advantage of it. Um, so I had one once someone once where they were rolling dice in the dice tray. <clears throat> sorry, and the dice bounced out. So I'll re- I'll re-roll it in the dice tray. I was like, yeah, sure, of course. Then later on, they did it the same thing, and a dice bounced out and rolled a crit. And they were like, oh yeah, I've got a crit and whatever was in the tray. I was like, well, hang on a second. We've uh, <laughs> we set a precedent earlier. So going back to precedents, we were saying about. Um, if you set that precedent earlier saying only what's in the dice tray counts, we've got to stick with that. Um, yeah. so that's a good example of calling it. But again, like that was resolved fairly easily. I don't think it was intentional uh, by any means. It's all about, oh yeah, sorry, we'll carry on with the game. But I've had another occasion where I probably should have called a TO over where we had um, it was a tournament just after our first lockdown in the UK. And we'd all agreed to bring something like fun and casual. Um, so I bought like a Ripper's deck that worked all around supporting. So on a good day, you could get like 10 damage <laughs> out of Ripper, like that that one swing of the game. Um, the stupid things like that. Um, but this one guy bought like a really gamey um, sort of warband to try and win. And in his first game against me, he lost. His dice just didn't work. Um, the matchup, yeah. he should have definitely beaten me. But that first game, he didn't win and was getting really frustrated. <laughs> so I was sort of like, how about like, I understand you're frustrated. We all get a bit tilted. Just take take five minutes, you know. Go get some fresh air. Um, you know, I was being as sportsmanship like as I could. So take five minutes, then we'll come back and uh, do our next round because it was a pretty quick first game. We were done in about twenty minutes. Uh, but then he came back and started winning and went completely the other way. It started trying to like rub it in my face that he was beating me. And so I still played the games out and um, just sort of being the better person. Yeah. That's one of those looking back where I probably should have got the uh, the TO involved at that point because um, it was like you know there's a line to draw with. Like accepting people's sort of attitude in a competitive game, and where they sort of cross that line and become a bit not abusive, but I don't know, irritable. I guess they're trying to tilt you, um, which isn't yeah, because you you do get yeah, because you do get players like I've especially had players try to tilt me, and it's like it's unfortunate, but it, it kind of comes down to you need to be comfortable to like put your foot down, but also uh, as you've said to call a TO if necessary, because. Like, no game is immune from these kinds of people or like cheaters, basically. Uh, you know, we've we've had that cheating incident in well, back last year, back in uh, October, I think, in the Italian tournament, where that guy oh, was yeah, just stacking the, uh, his deck and he was abusing the rule yeah. where, um, well, he was abusing the COVID rule where you couldn't shuffle someone's deck because, you know, it'd be touching their stuff. So he was like fixing his deck, basically. Hmm. Um, but it's stuff like, it's even stuff like, uh, like cutting. Um, some people may just like gently cut their deck, whereas you're fully cutting your deck. And but that's kind of like establishing stuff. Uh, but I, I, th- I think the biggest thing has been dice. Personally, people have gotten very particular, shall we say, shall we say, over like dice. Like I think I've pretty much had the same experience as you, where like um, I rolled a cock dice that was successful. I was like, oh, you know what? That's cocked. I re-roll it, and then my opponent did the same thing. I was like, oh, cool, I got hit. I was like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, that's that's cocked. It's like. No, it's not cocked. It's like, but we just established that. It's like I'm not. I'm not trying to say 
your dice rolls wrong. It's just, you know, we set that precedent. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating, but you know, it it's kind of not I wouldn't say human nature. It's just you've got to be wary of those people. And my my biggest thing is you want to be kind and welcoming, but you don't want to lose a game because someone's manipulated that. Yeah, definitely. Um otherwise take backs, I think where it's sort of a line of being nice or not nice with it. Um I don't know how sort of your view on take backs. But sort of over time, I've sort of built the view of with take backs, you can't do a take back if dice have been rolled, um, or if someone's declared to do another action, like a decision's been made. That's sort of how I've sort of played it. I think that's sort yeah. of the best way to go. So, for instance, you know, if someone's yeah. rolled dice, and it's like, oh, I should have played a card like victimized to get plus one dice to my attack. So, well, at this point, you've rolled dice, so your, your chance has passed for that. But on the same end of it, like you might have had a power step. And been like, oh, I meant to play an upgrade. If no decision's been made, then yeah, go ahead, play that upgrade. But uh, I had one a while back, let's go back to season two, where I was playing against a guy who was playing uh, with Megors. And um, I was like, end of the power step, he's like, yeah, nothing more to play. I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to charge Megor, say. He's like, oh, I meant to play Demonic Resilience. I said, like, ah, oh, well, hang on. Like, I've declared a charge, and now you're trying to do that. He's like, but no dice have been rolled. Yeah. I like, well, hang on. But at this point, that's quite a big game change. Um, yes, yeah. It's not something that doesn't affect the state of the game at this point. Had you said that before I declared a charge, then yeah, by all by all means. Um, I think again, it's all that balance of with those kind of things of if a decision's been made, if what you would t- want to take back would affect that decision, then you shouldn't take it back. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of balance in there, I guess. Yeah, I mean the way I approach it is. If I it's, I kind of vary. If I know the person more, then I let them take back more, basically. So the, I'm the same thing. As long as a major decision or cards and dice haven't been played, I like, I allow a take back. So a take back is basically, you, as the name says, you allow a person to take back their action. Uh, like uh, Especially, for example, if someone hasn't kept in an eye on the board state. So, for example, they go, oh, uh, I'm going to like attack this fighter, kill him, and it's like, oh, I've got like great fortitude on them, so they have one more wound. It's like, oh, oh, I completely missed that. Is it okay? Because I would have done it anyway. Is it okay if I like equip them with great strength? Because I would have done that if like I would have done that anyway. And I, I would generally go, yeah, because it's like uh, I'm probably a bit too friendly. But like generally, if I, I kind of let things happen, if I personally see like what they were going to do wasn't going to change things, they just kind of forgot. Because the, um, as I said, for my local gaming group, hates. We're kind of the mindset where, and, and actually most of London in general, where we would rather, we beat players because we outplayed them, not because they forgot stuff. Because the yeah, funny absolutely. thing is I, I get, uh, when I play like 40k and Sigma, uh, I, the players react with like complete astonishment when I tell them, oh, you forgot you put that buff on your unit, or you forgot you've got that reroll, or you forgot like uh, that one's doing this. And they're like, oh, what, why are you telling me? It's like, well, because you played it, you've just forgotten it. I'm just reminding exactly. you, it's nothing big. Um, I've often but they're like, well. oh my gosh, this. In the same kind of way. I yeah, think, and then um, like. If someone's going to like make a charge against the fighter, and you're looking at their fighter who's charging, he's doing like, say, three damage, and you've got a three wound fighter with a great fortitude on, before they make that charge, I'll often remind them. Because um, upgrades yeah, are sometimes. But that's what I'll do as well. It's just, it's just a sort of good sportsmanship. Um, again, it varies yeah, in it's sort like of the going, level of the I'm going to. If you're playing at a Grand Clash, yeah, it's kind of like, I'll be less inclined to do back and forward. 
not like we had a an event in pool a year or so ago. It would be longer than that before mm. COVID. I was playing against a guy who was fairly new to the game. He was playing Caradrons. And after he was scoring his cards, he kept forgetting to inspire. So for the course of those gamers, kept reminding him, oh yeah, don't forget to inspire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of that game, it meant we came down to like, I beat him by a glory. It was really close in the end. Oh wow. Um, but only because I reminded him about inspiring. If not, I would have probably beaten him <laughs> by a fair amount. And after the game, it's like a big old man hug. We're like, oh, that was awesome. That was so close. What a wicked game. Um, and it's just like, yeah, looking out for for players in a casual setting, then also knowing sort of where your limit is in like a grand clash setting by comparison. This is the kind of weird thing where I divert again because uh, so the biggest take back kind of I allowed was uh, at the London GT against my friend Laura. So she was playing Fast Riders and I was playing um, Spike Claw Swarm. So the issue is the Fast Riders all look alike. So not only had she mixed up which Fast Rider she had placed down, I had mixed up which one was well. And it basically came to the point where the fast rider, the 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 fast rider fire. I thought I was attacking was actually so. I thought I was attacking Eagle Eye when it was Swift Blade, and she was like actually putting in the runes, wounds on wrong. And we were like I think six activations between us, quite ahead. So then we decided to do like okay, let's wind it back. So what we did, you know, because we know each other really well, but we're experienced with the game. We just wound back where it was, and kind of wound back the game, and then um, because basically most people would have gone, oh, it's too late. But we were like. We had made so many big mistakes; it had kind of completely messed up the game, but beyond salvageable. Because she had to equip that, uh, like eagleize uh, upgrades to Swift Blade as well, so it was kind of really messed up. So what we did, we wound it back a bit, and then go. Uh, we basically figured it out, but obviously, basically wouldn't allow that in a normal game. But that's the kind of extent. Uh, if if I know someone really well, you could argue that's that's cheating, but it's kind of not. We would like just both made massive mistakes. But, You've um, got back to that sort of that fixed yeah, point, those, haven't you? That save point. <laughs> yeah. Before it all went wrong. Yeah, we basically went back to the fixed point where everything was like because that that one thing that helped we hadn't played too many cards. It was mainly just upgrades, so that was that wasn't the big thing. Um, so we'd managed to wind it back because we were able to trace it back and go, okay, this is this is it, and then reset the board state in a way, but that didn't effectively cheat because in the end it was still like a super close game. Um, but my thing is, yeah, if I know the person more. I will allow more take backs because I generally trust them more. But my thing is, if something was going to happen anyway, I will let it happen. For example, um, I think it happened in one of the recent webcam tournaments where uh, a guy basically um, got a successful attack, but he forgot to charge. And I was like, oh, yeah, dude, uh, he was going to die anyway. You can charge. Other people would go, oh, no, you would have had to charge. But I'm more of a mind like, of um, you kind of just forget the upgrade. I mean, you could argue then that dice were rolled or no, I think it wasn't that it was something similar to basically where the guy had forgot. No. Yeah. He'd played spectral wings and then forgot to zigzag around. And I was like, he still charged and did the successful charge. He just forgot to move six hexes. And he was like, Oh dude, I have cover ground in my hand. I played spectral wings. I just forgot to move. Is it okay if I just zigzag around to that hex? Because with cover ground, you don't have to move six hexes. You just, well, you don't have to move six hexes away. You just have to move six hexes any direction so you can move six hexes in a circle. And yeah, that exactly. kind of thing. I was like, like yeah, no totally, dude. Because game, like, I suppose, does it? So like, it'd have been done regardless. Yeah. It's, it's fine to do. But there, are some, but there are some people who would go, no, you can't allow that at all. Um, the, the most interesting thing is when I offer people take backs that they've messed up and they're like, no, 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 it's too late. I was like, ah, you've, you've only just played cards, your own cards. I'm happy with you taking them back if you want to because if you choose to take back those cards... 
I still know what you've played. It's not like you're hiding them from me. You've just kind of messed up the order a bit. I'm completely fine with that. Uh, but once again, that comes down. There's no like golden rule. It's how comfortable you are with take back. That's why it's kind of like this really subjective thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree on that. Um, obviously, again, it's one kind of precedent with, but there will be examples where just using a better judgment, really, I think. Um, and generally, as a community, I think we're all on pretty much the same page with those kind of things. Um, yeah, and it also like, I think generally best. everyone's... Yeah, because I think generally everyone's like, oh, as long as no dice or major actions were rolled, then, then you like take back an act. Like, I think the biggest example is go, any power cards from you? No. Okay, none from me. Go into the activation. Like, it's their activation. They go, oh, shit, I forgot to play that. Is it okay if we go back to the power step? And like, generally, your opponent will go, yeah, I mean, it's your activation. You haven't declared anything. Or you've declared a charge, and then you've realized, oh, I forgot to play this card. Is it okay if we've gone back? You haven't rolled any dice. That's kind of fine. But the, the 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 only problem it would become if you go like any power cards from you pass and then it goes into the other player's activation. They go okay, now I'm going to charge here and then they go, oh, is it okay if I play this? I meant to play this and then you go, I would. The issue is I've already declared an action and I'm, even though no dice have been rolled as you said earlier, the problem is I've declared my intent and the issue is um, I, I wholly ex- expect you're doing this out of the goodness of your heart. But the problem is I've already declared what I'm going to do and now you're potentially reacting to that. So it's not saying you're trying to cheat. It's the issue is that window has unfortunately passed. Um, yeah. And but the way well to get around a... that is going like... So carry on, carry on. <laughs> oh, go on, sorry. Well, it, so the way to get around that is going, okay, when it goes into the next activation, when that it's foreseen that potential uh, event happening again. So it's like, it's going into my activation. Are you sure you have no cards you want to play? Because sometimes players just play fast and they go, okay, I'll look at my hand again. No, that's fine. Because it's just trying to go, I'm not trying to game you. Unfortunately, the game's reached a point where it's it's questionable if I should allow you to take that back because now it's kind of, it will affect the game in a big way. Yeah, playing fast, as you're saying there, is a is quite a big one. Um, it's getting easier with like set reaction windows now. Definitely easier than the early days. But um, a good example of that, I think, was when Rippers came out. You had Furious Reprisal. And I recall yes. so many games at the time where people are playing and like someone would attack one of the Rippers fighters and be like, oh, I've done like three damage to him. And straight away, the Rippers would be like, Furious Reprisal. It's like, hang on a sec. You've still got a drive back step. And it sort of created an awkward moment in a lot yes. of games where it's like, oh, well, he knows I've got Furious Reprisal now, so he's just going to push me regardless. Um, so something I've always done that might have been a good or bad thing is after the person's opponents attacked me when I was playing Rippers, um, they'd be like, I'll do this damage to you. Okay, cool. Are you going to push me back? And sometimes they'd be thinking, oh, yeah, he's probably got a few surprises and push me. I'd be like, damn it. However, it was always better to have made sure they were aware of what they could do um, rather than have an awkward moment where you've declared a few surprises even after giving them a chance to push you. But it could have been they would just hesitate yeah. about what to do. Um so it's, yeah, getting better. I, I know some it's always get, worth checking, I think, with these sort of situations before you sort of reaction. Before you dive in. Well, it's like um, the biggest thing I have is I know some people get upset when we're like, are you going to drive back? Because it's like, I'm not being condescending, but I'm just reminding people like sometimes they just forget to drive back. Because the problem you had in Shade Spire, you had my turn. So if they didn't drive you back, there could be a potential that um, you're kind of like letting them 
you know, attack you back. So if they only had range one or like you had range two and they didn't drive you back, then you would just stab them back basically. Uh, but I think the most relevant card is probably Buried Instinct, I think, because before it was Dissipate. So the problem with Buried Instinct, it's an amazing card. It has the worst reaction window for your opponent because it happens after they declare a target, but before they roll dice. So the issue is you can, I've had opponents trying to say, um, okay, I'm going to declare the attack and roll dice immediately. I goes, oh, I'm going to go on react with Buried Instinct. So the problem there, you can have your opponent playing too fast going, I declare the attack and I attack, but the problem is they go. So the way I play it now is, especially if I feel my opponent has a buried instinct, I will go, I'm going to attack. Uh, I'm declaring against this target. Do you have any reactions? And generally they go, no. And I go, cool. And this attack. So I'm generally saying this against every opponent now, even though they probably don't even have the card or be confused. It's kind of future proofing yourself because then you kind of go, you're not typecasting your opponent. You're just. Type, you're just future-proofing yourself in, can, in case those reactions happen. And it also helps remind the opponent, for example, because Buried Instinct blocks Potion of Rage, but more importantly, it blocks, uh, blocks the, what do you call it, the sacrifice counters for Grashrax to spoilers. So that's yes. that kind of interaction to remember. Yeah, I think it's easier as well if you're playing a best of three, because after the first game, generally you'll know what reactions could come up. Um, so you've got to know if you need to pause at any point, have that better idea. Um, but I've often found that you know, the first game of the best of three, so all the reactions come out, you have all the nearly awkward <laughs> clashes of cards. But then after that, it's it's basically plain sailing because you've you've both remembered what your opponent has, so you know to ask because you've said there, you know, I'm charging this person. Do you have anything to play? And yeah, I think the clarification, especially through like Beast Grave and Diachasm, um, of this sort of step system for combat, makes it a lot easier. So, you know, if you're playing against, like, against, I keep using Rippers as an example because I sort of know them inside and out, um, is that Rippers might have narrow escape. It's like, you know, I'm going to deal four damage to your four wound fighter. At the deal damage step, do you have any reactions? No. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> or are you going to narrow escape? Yeah, it's, it's like basically, if you, yeah, it's like, yeah, the, the helpful thing is if you're attacking, just talk through the attack action step. So I'm going to declare on your target, then I'm going to roll dice. It may seem boring. But it just future proofs you to reactions and bait, well, any unintentional interruptions. Because, like, the problem is when your opponent's playing fast, I think the biggest one was during Shadespire when, you know, like you were trying to react to a twist the knife or you were waiting for your opponent to, like, it was the twist the knife rebound. Who's going to react first? Because the problem is um, you could just rebound all the time, but rebound blocks twist the knife. That's why I run it. So you would be kind of going, are you going to react with anything after dealing damage? And then they'll go, uh, no. It's like, cool. And then I rebound or they like, it's trying to bait out that. But it's, that's kind of similar reaction window timing. Uh, but outside of, well, basically declaring stuff and clarifying stuff to be thorough to not catch your opponent out, I think other ways to be friendly is, well, it's it's part of the post-game chat, but I think we, I speak for both of us, Rob, when, um, well, Derek will be really happy to hear this, but Chipping in on drinks. That's, I think, one of the biggest sportsmanship stuff, like food, is if you're chipping top tier, but alcohol is... is absolutely well, great. not even alcohol, it's drinks. Yep. As Derek can tell you, the first skirmish day of the last LVO, at the end, neither of us remember actually getting our, our awards. We were so hammered. <laughs> <laughs> He'd bought all this Crown Royal over from um, uh, Canada, which is like a Canadian whiskey My that comes gosh. in a dice bag. And um, what? Yeah, we, were, we were hammered. 
But that's why I love Las Vegas Open so much because everyone is there on the first few days just to have a laugh and get drunk. I have food together, go out and just do fun stuff together as a community, then also play the tournaments. Um, so most of us get there on like the Tuesday and we play from like the Friday to the Sunday, then go home on the Monday in a very hungover state. And um, it's great because it's a real chance to actually hang out with the community doing stuff other than Underworlds as well as Underworlds. Um, but yeah, I know me and yeah, Matt Collins are into the glory hole. I've got a bet on for LGT this year. I can't remember if it's mm. a game. I think it's a game between each, either game between each actual individual game or a game, uh, a drink between each round. Um, but either way, I think that's going to be oh, a great. steaming day. Or it might be like if you win, the oh, other yeah, person's got to have a drink. Um, <laughs> we're still working it out. <laughs> yes. But either way, it's going to be a very hairy day. <laughs> yeah, because I did the foolish thing of like, I met Derek, like I think after round one, and we started getting like ciders together at the Scottish uh, Grand Clash. And then all of a sudden, I was like, he is handling far this this far better than I am. I have to slow down my drinking because I'm actually making bad mistakes. Um, but the, I think the biggest thing to highlight is uh, I know we get like focused on the game, and you know the weirdest thing about Underworld is not many games, uh, not many tournaments focus on sportsmanship. I know LVO did. I tried to like with my events and others as well. But sportsmanship doesn't end after the game ends. It ends when the tournament is like it ends when you both when everyone goes home, basically, you know. So that's this cool thing about like just buying drinks. Like even if you just go, I'm just having a water or like a fruit juice or whatever. But yeah, you want a cider or something. You know, like I like ciders. I'm not going to stop promoting ciders. But yeah, you know, you just like chip into that. And then like the best thing about like the sportsmanship aspect of the game is actually just getting like chilling out after the tournament, after everyone's played, just relaxing and talking about what's happened. Absolutely. I think that also sets you up for future events. I think I only started properly doing like competition level stuff we sort of end of um, Shade Spire, start a night vault. So I sort of came in when a lot of the community like down here already knew each other, but I didn't. But just by socializing after our games and after like, the events and things, or like going out for food after events, um, a big one a lot of us do in Bath uh, and Bristol is after like an event, we all go to Wagamama's. Um, that's like a, a post-game ritual. Interesting. But like it meant Interesting ritual. Starting like new events, like or the next event you go to, it's like, oh, great, I know people. We can have a laugh before we start. Um, yeah. So that's one that Matt Collins brings up a lot from Into the Glory Hole. It's the first time we actually met and played. Um, I'd brought Molog. Um, <laughs> after being released, he just had the, the FAQ that made him better. And it came out that day. Yeah. And we, we start this event. Oh, I was wow. I'll like, speak oh, of fun. I'll give Molog a try. And um, the guy running was like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, the FAQ is in effect. I was like, oh, God. I think I said it would have to run like a, a bit of a spree. And now, like Matt always brings it up, we catch up. Um, I filmed uh, one of the games for his um, Into the Glory Hole channel the other day. That's the first thing he mentions. <laughs> he brings it up every time. <laughs> but that's the thing: you build those stories and those narratives and those friendships through being a good sportsman, being a, a, a nice player, and just being a friend. Yeah, because um, it's like friends for life. Um... Yeah, exactly. There's, I've made tons of like people I'd call proper friends now through just like chilling out after games, and you know that's the real key to sportsmanship. Not only do you make the game a friendly environment for yourself and your opponent, but you encourage them to actually come back and play more. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a few events that me and some of our friends here have been to where the player base has been quite new or quite fresh into the game. Um, yep. 
so like all like just the decks they've got aren't as sort of like well sort of practices ours have been. So we've toned it back a bit. Um, so for example, of this we went to one last year in the summer in Entoyment War Games, and it was a relic event. And me and um, my boy Rob Watson had both bought uh, Cataframe Relic decks. So I was doing Cataframe <laughs> Relics Man Trappers, and he was doing Cataframe Relics Grimwatch. <laughs> Which made for a hell of a final when like I think the glory was like fifty-one to fifty or something uh, in like an individual game. Uh, <laughs> But we both realized... Oh, my gosh. No one else had kitted out for that at all. Um, the other players were all sort of... Just bought like, stuff they wanted to play with that was like fun. So in those games, we sort of tried to dial it back. So yeah. it was like, you know, we're not going to get all our relics out straight away. We'll, we'll play it a bit slower to give them more of a chance. Um, so it wasn't just like a complete sort of like whitewash. Because um, otherwise, you know, if you had gone there and just whitewashed everyone, would those guys come back and play again if they were new to it? Um, you sort of 100%. want to build build a community by by being a fair player. And yeah, sometimes yeah. that's about sort of like you know, either yeah, helping them out. Don't forget you've missed this. Don't forget you've missed that. Or just playing your deck at a slightly sort of lower level, just to give them more of a fun like experience. At the end of the day, like we yeah, all play to they... have fun. And if I wouldn't have fun if my opponents not had fun, um, that's a big part of it. I'd rather have a close game. Yeah, because I think a good, it's like kind of like when you're trying to grow a scene, you kind of have to dial things back because you could win, but then um, would winning be worth it if you drive these people away from the game? Because like an- another thing for like sportsmanship as general is, <laughs> I know people may scoff at it, but I generally try to run at stuff that isn't uninteractive or that will make my opponent feel like they haven't had a good game. Because the problem is, even though that stuff may be strong, uh, I think Underworld is at its best when there's when your opponent has the right to respond but this is really subjective because obviously people will enjoy what they enjoy everyone's very different but you know you've got to have that self-awareness to go you know what i'm running it's really strong but is it strong to the point where no one's going to have a fun time playing against me you know there's a bit of leeway when it comes to a grand clash yeah but it's like uh, especially at the local level i like I, i usually run two decks so I run my casual deck just for like playing for friends, new people, and then my more serious deck for people who want to play tournament games. But even if you only have your serious deck, you can do a like you said, Rob, and just dial it down. Go like, you know what? I'm not going to play this reaction, or I'm not going to equip this upgrade, or I'm not going to make this like optimal play. I'll do something silly, like I'll just throw my leader in straight away and see how that goes. You know, because at the end of the day, you can go. If I lose, all I lose is just nothing. If I win, but I mean. All I lose uh, if I if I go balls out and win is that I could actually lose this player. So you're you're trying to like if you lose, the the worst thing that could happen is you lose, you know, because the other person will have a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've always loved aggro decks; it's always been my thing. <clears throat> Get in there and hit stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Generally, you can build it to be a bit better, but like that's half the fun for me. But I remember oh, yeah. when a uh, Man Trappers came out, I went to an event, and everyone there was expecting me to be doing sort of the lost page. Um, not lost, not, was it Lost Page? Not the the Cataphrane Tomes or build? Uh, tomes, Cataphrane Tomes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. It's been like a Tomes build where I sort of hit at the back. And I was like, if this is a Grand Clash, then I might do. It's, it's definitely a Grand Clash worthy. And um, props to, I think it was Benny Monaghan won the Vassal Clash with it. And he like turned that to perfection. He did an incredible job with it. And like for that kind of event, that's that's great. But for like a casual small tournament with like eight players, like it just wouldn't be nice, especially when a lot of them are like quite casual. So I was expecting, like, when I put Man Trappers down, oh, I was going to have all this, like, stuff. I've got to deploy really aggressively. 
But then all of a sudden, all these knobloids are just running towards them, just going hell for leather. <laughs> Things like keep chopping. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm playing aggro because aggro is just more fun. Um, yeah, always. I, I like the war band. They look really cool. Let's just play a, a fun aggro game where we interact. Um, Wait, it's yeah, like, it's, it's I a, think... There's um, a level between Grand Clash or like casual play. I think interacting is much more important at like low-level events. Whereas at high-level events, obviously, bring your worst. Yeah, basically. But I, I think um, even like... Well, there's more like balance. But even, even if you know your stuff's really toxic, you like you have to be aware eventually. Like I think the worst thing is when people are running like clearly bo- broken stuff, but then even after the game's over, they're going like, that's completely fine. And you're like, oh, really? Is it? Come on. It's like, but that's more like balance. But it's kind of like, be aware of what you're running and, you know, just be be, be, be able to take the piss out of it. Because at least if like if someone goes, you know, yeah, this is ridiculously broken, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm not, I'm not being around the bush. You can kind of go, oh, cool. They're not kind of like saying it's fine because I think that's the worst thing. But I think the biggest, one of the biggest things is, so it's difficult because it's, I think this is probably the biggest impactment to sportsmanship is trying to not go on tilt because it's so easy to go on tilt and there's no real, there's no real way around it. My biggest advice is learn how to lose, just go and start losing. And then eventually if you're able to come through that, you'll be basically immune to tilting. And I think the biggest problem with tilting is dice. I know a lot of people get upset with dice, especially when playing aggro. And I think the biggest shock, I was playing a guy in the Grand Clash day two with my Godsworn Hunt. Like day one dice had gone my way. I'd finished 4-1. I was like top four with Godsworn Hunt. I was like top two, top one in round four for the Grand Clash with Godsworn Hunt. And then obviously day two, like my dice had just done terror. Like they were like, you know what? You had your fun in day one, John. Day two, nah, we're, we're out here now. We're going on a break. And my point was like, John, we've just played two games and you have, you've succeeded in one attack outside of 24 activations. Um, was it 12, 24? Something like that, you know? And I was like, yeah, but you know what? Dice are dice. And he's like, how can you say that? I was like, well, you know, I think the biggest trap is feeling dice are always going to go your way. I kind of play with it. The dice are never going to go my way, so I never get disappointed. Um, but that's just how I play aggro, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like dice, and the, the day, it's like it averages, isn't it, really? There's a probability of it working. Yeah. There's also a chance of it not. Um, so, you know, half time it might succeed, half time it might not. You've just got to sort of accept that, especially with aggro. Um, oh, yes. Because like, I've been playing Warhammer since about 11 or 12, and I've always learned that, because I have a friend who's like a ma- massive st- statistician, and he's like, you know, statistically, I shouldn't fail all these dice. So I was like, you know, what's the biggest thing about stats? It's never actually, you know, actually going to happen. It's always going to be random based on that. Like, you, you've got certain probabilities, but it doesn't mean because of that probability, it's always going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have to accept that, I think. Acceptance is another feature of sportsmanship, I guess. Um, sometimes you won't win those games um, everything's been set for you you're thinking I'm going to sail through this and it just doesn't happen the dice abandon you the cards all brick it's got to come away after it's like yeah that happened on to the next one let's have a laugh about it remember that time when I drew 10 I, I upgrades, think what you know? <laughs> it's part of it <laughs> well, I think what really highlights a good player is when they can go through that and still come out laughing like that's they're, they're probably the best players, in my opinion. 
Like that's pretty much where everyone from Hate is. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's memorable because like what I lo- used to love doing with my gods when I was like, this is a seven dice attack. And you know what? And they go, what? I'm only going to roll one success. And I roll one success and they go with one defense dice and they roll a crit. And I was like, you see? You see? Because <laughs> it's like you know, this weird thing with Warhammer Underworlds where you're more accurate with the less dice you have. It's just bizarre. Like the, if you, like I've seen someone roll an eight dice attack and just roll nothing. It's, it's completely bizarre. You've just got to accept that the dice will never roll your way. But you know, I think the worst thing is then when you start getting worked up about that. Because the problem is if you start going on tilt, going like, these dice are bad, the problem you have is you will unintentionally make that a bad environment for your opponent. And it's difficult because sometimes you will recognize it too late and you go, the worst thing you can have from a game is walking away from it going, wow, I made my opponent feel super uncomfortable and I, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, like I think negative play experience is something that can come from like the game itself, but also the uh, the opponents. Um, yeah. And again, just like treat your opponent how you want to be treated. Um, that's sort of the way I look at it. I just look for people who are like yeah. are particularly great, like sports people, who sort of inspire you when you play against them. Like those kind of games where you come away thinking that was a really great game. Like, what did he do that I'm not doing? Um, yeah. There's a few players out there like that. For instance, the aforementioned uh, Derek, uh, Rob Watson again. <laughs> I really keep plugging that guy. Um, and Stephen Van is a great blog. example. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should. Um, yeah, Stephen Van from College Shadespire. Um, we've played a few times in Vegas. He's another great example of that. Where like they're just super chill, super fun, and just there, there for the enjoyment. Um, and that's what I think we should all take away from it. Yeah, I think the only other thing to add with dice is. Please, please, like, uh, if I could enshrine this into gold, like in front of bold letters every game to every player, please don't complain about your dice when you're in the lead. Please don't go, well, that should have gone off when you're like 10 glory ahead. It's really bad for your opponent. Like, that's probably the biggest crime I've seen. Like, I've seen players, I've had one player who was literally like, I was playing my God's One Hunt against his tuned, of course, Fiend, and I was like, I was on one glory, he was on 18. Charges in and misses like oh, typical. I should have got that. And I was like, really? Are you, are you? You think you've lost the game over that? And like, I had to tell him after the game. I was like, sorry, dude. I know you. I know you. Like, you know, played before. You're like usually chill, but that was a terrible game for me because, like, I'm fine losing, but you were literally complaining while you were winning. And it's like, I've done the same before. Like, it took me a while to learn how to do that. I'm not saying everyone's perfect, and you know, even me, I still mess up sometimes. But it's. You've got to stop and think a bit when you're complaining. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty on tilt, but how is my opponent feeling? Because if you make them feel like really awkward, they're going to walk away going, wow, did I did I cause that? Or like, wow, this game isn't as friendly as I thought it would be. So it's it's something to be aware of and there's no real gold answer. And I'm not saying don't be angry about dice. Oh, you can be angry about dice all the time, but there's a limit if that makes sense. Yeah, like a frustrated winner basically, isn't it? Yes, frustrated. Well, it's kind of simple, like that model, what that dice guy you were saying about. Yeah, it's like, you know, you have a, you have a bad first game, I understand you get tilted. It happens to the best of us, and the worst. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, like, yeah, the next game you're winning, it's like, sort of don't be an ass. Like, especially when the opponent's been accommodating towards you. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, we're there to have fun. Well, like the, well, yeah, like the golden rule for my club is don't be a dick, and I think that's the, the best thing. But, the um, Wheaton rule, isn't it? Like, I think if, 
Yes. It was like, so the biggest thing, if you're a new player and you're apprehensive about Warhammer Underworlds, I will happily say that Warhammer Underworlds has the most friendly and sportsmanship-like community I have ever met. Like, uh, I think the only like community that challenges Underworlds on its like camaraderie is X-Wing, I would say. And people may be shocked, like, those are the most competitive game systems. What you say, like 40k, Age of Sigmar, like those kind of games will have more friendly players. I was like, no, because it's weird. Because everyone knows it's a competitive game. They know they're here to play it, so they're like, but everyone is happy to have a laugh. It's just that bizarre thing where the most competitive game is attracting the generally the most friendly people. Yeah, I think it kind of helps that it has that competitive edge, and you know that from the outset. Because I've had it before with like 40k, I dabble in a little bit. And I've had games where I've been, I've got a fun little 40k list I've painted of just some weird little bits. I've been absolutely destroyed by some like top tier metagamer. And I came away from that like, oh, that wasn't very fun. However, in Underworlds, everyone is trying to be at least a bit competitive. So it means that chance of being absolutely steamrolled is a lot lower, um, which is quite good. Even amongst casual players, everyone is sort of building to do the best they can, rather than one person building narrative, one person building like for open play, then one building for competitive play. Everyone's on the same page, which I think sort of really helps tie the, the community together. Oh yeah, 100%. Because like the, as you said, the main problem with like 4K and Sigma is you've got people even going to like their competitive events going, oh, I'm going to play casually or I built this because, you know, I thought it looked really cool. Whereas this person going, nah, I'm here to win. But with these competitive game systems, you've got everyone going, like they have a unified reason. Like there's a, they're, the, the competitiveness is like already etched out. So everyone knows they're trying to play, but it just brings out the friendship in everyone. It's, it's, really shocking but it's something i'm always happy to promote it's something i think it's the one thing the warhammer underworlds community should be most proud about with their game like the level of sportsmanship even tos have always said like they're just shocked but how like pleasantly surprised and shocked by how friendly everyone is where they have people actually sorting out rules disputes themselves not because they like oh they don't want to get a judge involved they just know how to talk out between each other Whereas, like with other game systems, it can basically oh no yeah we have to call them the judge, um, but it's like I think the only other games that are closer to like Titanicus and Horus Heresy, but that's because those are more like thematic games. So like those games, I think the unifying reason they have a clear reason why players want to be there, so they can like basically play off of that. Yeah, but again, it's a system 100%. where you know what you're about, don't you? When you're playing it, it's like this is what we are. Yeah. <laughs> We exactly. know what our community is like, so we know how the whole group will act as a whole, which is really cool. 100%. Uh, and like, if anyone ever doubts my sportsmanship, I got three best army votes out of five games with Zinch at the peak of their power. And I wasn't even like, I was running melee Zinch. Everyone's like, are you going to magic me with like, um, your teleporting horrors? I was like, I don't have horrors. I just have lots of Zangor and a melee Lord of Change. So it's like, you know, you've you've got to look for the aggro where you can. But that's the thing. It's like, it's not just me who's like that. All the other top players are, are pretty much entirely super friendly. And will like, the biggest thing is like after a game, when they're chatting to you, they will like happily divulge like what you did wrong, like help improve your deck or like talk through what they did and go like go through their own deck. Because like, that's what I do. Everyone will be happy to help and like improve you because um, some of the most like, biggest impacts I've had is when I've played someone like you know pretty much beaten them but then I've gone like oh you know you, 
you actually didn't make too many mistakes. You just need to tweak this with your deck and do that and that. And then like we've been playing and then eventually they beat me or they go on to win an event. And it's like, it's just helping them. Like the good, the worst, the best thing is helping instead of trying to keep everything secret, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Like the more you support other players, the better your player base will be. Um, It's a big thing to bring each other up. It's one of my favorite things I think yeah, on Facebook exactly. and like the Facebook groups or like the Discords. You've got like people posting, "Oh yeah, here's like my first set," and so just all these people commenting, going like, "Oh, welcome to the hobby, you know, welcome in." Oh, you're like, oh, what should I buy as my first like new warband? Oh yeah, try this, try that. What are you looking to play? We'd recommend these packs. We recommend this. Um, all the support for like painted models, that kind of thing as well. Just sort of shows how how great we can all be. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. So, like, to sum up, basically, if you're trying to be more friendly and, like, improve your own sportsmanship skills, always establish, like, ground rules at the start of the game. So, mainly cock dice, where dice are being rolled, how you're going to do takebacks, and what was the other thing? Uh, you know, don't let someone manipulate you because of your friendliness, you know? And then also talk about, like, how you may keep, you know, banter and chat minimal during the game, like, because it may be a thing like, Oh, dude, we're having a laugh, but I just need to like focus for a bit so we can finish the game, and then you know we'll we'll go back to it. We just got to get we got to see who's going to win, but you know, like stuff like that. And then yeah, remember try and just not go on tilt. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, just try and be friendly and welcoming, and I, and remember, sportsmanship doesn't end once the game is over. It ends. You could argue it never ends, pretty much. I think. Yeah, everything just keeps going. And like, the next event you go to, you'll be recounting stories from the event before with the players you've met before. It's just one rolling, uh, one rolling game, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's like, yeah, it just adds stories. And then the more friendly you are, the more likely those people are to return. And, you know, you're, you're in part helping to grow the scene. So, you know, just be more friendly if you haven't already. And if, it's even little things like... Um, like, you know, like not complaining when you're in the lead, those kind of little things. And being more aware of your actions, I think are great steps to just improve your own sportsmanship, but help, you know, make a more welcoming environment for other players. Hmm. It's, yeah, above all, so, like, fun. Exactly. Because fun should, like, even though, you know, we all want to win, speaking from experience, focus on having fun more than trying to win. Because that's... That it's healthier for you, like trust me, it's healthier for your own mind, and you know it's healthier for your opponent. Uh, but before we go, is there anything else you'd like to add, Rob? I think we've covered most bases there. Um, as I said, yeah, set out your precedents. Um, be sociable with your opponent and have fun. That's uh, that's what we've got to do. Exactly, and always remember to roll crits. That's the most important rule of them all. I'm not very good at that. I only I am. I'm afraid it's, uh, it's a me, blessing. Uh, it's, it's, I, I maybe maybe off in a bit. <laughs> Next episode. <But> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, could I would teach. I've written an article on how to roll crits. It's uh, it's all about the wrist. You know, got to protect your wrists. Um, but yeah, uh, that's been it for episode ten of Warhammer Underworld's sportsmanship. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to Rob for being on the show. I hope you've had a fun time. I know it's kind of like. It's a really difficult subject to talk about, but I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been really good fun. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's been really cool, and hopefully, no uh, it's been a pleasure. So uh, yeah, our wise words, I guess, help you guys out. 
Exactly. So, because the biggest thing is like, uh, we're not the be be all and end all of sportsmanship, but at least if we get these like unwritten rules spoken out and recorded somewhere, it will help players who are new and even, you know, players who weren't aware of it. So yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode and yeah, you can listen on whatever format you want, depending on who you are. And yeah, thank you, Rob. I'll hopefully see you, well, maybe soon, but if not, wherever you are in the world, stay safe and keep rolling crits. Awesome. Well, I am done.